men race the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football Yeah, The Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with SWIC Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at Gridiron Greats Magazine. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website at MSBSportsCards.com for one of the largest selections of vintage football cards and memorabilia on the web. And we're also sponsored in part by BSD Auctions. Check out their website for their upcoming auction at BSDAuctions.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, Who's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine? Oh, football! Senior. A historian, specializing in pre World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Mr. Desquire, Joe! Welcome to the show tonight. Captain, good afternoon, sir. Just, How are you? I just realized I need to have some I need to have some gridiron grade business cards made for the nationals as senior contributing writer. I will have to get some. Is it okay if I use the logo or I'll have a little abbreviation on J S S C W. And a little picture of Grange and Largent on it. No people know who they are. Oh, that's so good. Hey, hey before that's so good. Before we get in before we get into pure football, I hear a rumor, and I couldn't find the song to lead in today, but I hear you're going to Russia for something, and it's not an electrical conference or anything like that. <laughs> yes, sir. I am uh, leaving for Russia for World Cup tomorrow at 5 o'clock. I'm in Russia for 12 days. Flying to St. Petersburg for two games, and then we fly up to Moscow for three games and fly out to Frankfurt uh, for a day and a half or so just to kind of uh, kind of get out of the motherland and then 
back stateside. So, yeah, 13 days door-to-door. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to going with three buddies. Wow. That's all I can say. The other, the other football. Wow. So, yeah, four years wow. ago we went to Brazil. My friends talked me into it. They're big soccer fans. I'm like, I don't, I don't like soccer. And they're like, do you like getting out of the country for two weeks and, and uh, getting drunk every night? I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. So that's uh, – oh. but it's, an, it, it's amazing. I got to say it's amazing. You know? That, that is, that's definitely a, a once-in-a-lifetime type of trip. I, I'll just point out, and I'll give them a, a quick uh, plug here. I'll be watching some World Cup games at the local soccer restaurant, Los Mariachis, here in Wallingford. I uh, will have my seat there. I haven't decided which jerseys I'll be wearing for the cup. But nothing, I'll be telling nothing them. Nothing says soccer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll be telling them. I'll be telling them you're my there. My buddy's there. And we'll probably see you on the TV or whatever. But anyways, I, I hope you have a good time. Nothing says, and nothing says come watch soccer here like a restaurant named Los Mariachis. <laughs> it's a it's a hotbed of soccer in Wallingford. They they have um, six TVs <laughs> with soccer and most most of the time. But uh, they're they're great yeah. folks. If you're ever in Wallingford, yeah, people who are in the local areas, make sure you stop by. Yep. And we are, uh, we're going to, I hope you have a great time. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight before our guest in uh, discussing some obscure football sets. And I want you to lead off with your specialization. And let's talk a little bit about that. Well, probably three, four episodes ago, we got onto a tangent conversation, as we often do, Captain, uh, about (laughs) rare Red Grange cards. And and then you and I took it, you know, offline, you know, after the music stops, oftentimes you and I just kind of hang out or, we, you know, we call each other after the show just for a recap. And we started discussing what the rare cards were. And uh, mm-hmm. I have the, you know, I have the, the privilege of, uh, you know, knowing Mike Blaisdell pretty well and picking up a couple cards when he decided to sell offline. And uh, at one point, you know, the kind of the four rarest football cards of Red, Red Grange. Oh, well, probably three out of the four I had in my possession. I sold my uh, 1933 Sports King Red Grange a little while ago just to kind of fund some other projects. But uh, one one pretty rare card just came up for sale, the uh, 1926 Shotwell. You know, the rare back card where it shows him in his mm-hmm. lucky, lucky number 77 jersey and looking over right, his left right. shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty rare. I think there's two of those known to existence, uh, and both of them are in pretty bad shape. You know, and, Red Grange and looking you... over his left shoulder with that that come hither look, like he's in a 1989 Steve Largent Pacific card set. You know, climbing Mount Rainier with Jim Zorn <laughs> or something like that. Well, let me well let me ask you this: how many how many Grange cards do you think are actually in existence? Not so much graded, but what, what's your What's your gut feeling as far as what what's out there? Oh boy, I, I, I've I mean, actually never thought about, about that, Bob. I mean, I'm I'm saying to myself, and this question was posed to me on the shot walls numerous times. How many are there out there? Okay, so take a guess. My my best guess, and again, I don't read PSA population reports or anything like that. But my best guess is probably what 30, 40 cards of each at the most. 
with the rear yeah. rear backs, what maybe a half a dozen at the most? Because again, we don't know what's what's sitting in a lot of people's collections. And again, if they ever come to the market, that'll be confirmed type of situation. But until that point, I really don't think there's much of anything out there. Well, take that lucky number 77. It's rare because uh, it was pulled from production. It's you know because he was yep. wearing a yep. he was wearing a Chicago Bears jersey and Cash and Kerry Pyle uh, had had mm-hmm. Shotwell pull that from production uh, because it wasn't you know it wasn't uh, it had to do with the movie. It didn't have to do with the movie. Right. So. Right. Right. You know. So you know who knows? It's kind of like why is the Honus Wagner card so, so rare? It's because it was pulled from production, because, you know, right. you know, by Wagner. Right. So this is the same well, thing, you know, again, you know that, that. Well, we've talked about numerous times. How many of these cards actually have survived? Were the cards traded in for a premium? So on and so forth. There's all, yeah. there's all different issues with regards to a lot of these cards that's from the 20s or 30s. Not so much issues, but just theories behind what we can actually understand today, seeing yep. what's in the market today. And again, we'll go to the national and Cleveland oh, you know, in, a, in a few weeks. And yeah. how many shot walls yeah. are going to be on the on the floor? A half a dozen, maybe a you know, ten. Tub. Who knows? Yeah. So uh, you know, it, you it, know it's and, beyond rare. Well, yeah, and what we always forget, as Carl mentioned once in an article he wrote, is you know think about the paper drives of the World War Two. Right. And then what I always think about is floods and fires. You know. How many people had yep, the exactly. they had it in the shoe you know that you know water pipe broke and damaged it. So there's yep. uh there's you know, there's getting chucked in the trash, there's paper drives, and then there's just natural attrition, you know, of cards. Right. You know? Right. So to me I mean to me yeah, those those issues are are rare rare. We know they're rare rare. Red Grange, any Red Grange collector, I'm sure, would love to have at least one type card for his collection as yeah. far as the Shotwell is yeah. concerned. What else What else does Grange have that, it, that it's really unusual that you're aware well, of? Well, obviously, yeah, the, uh, the, the, you know, the unicorn of Grange cards, you know, the uh, Spalding blank back, you know, which right. they call it, you know, it's, and, you know, I, I think most people would agree that card was put together as a, you know, as an example. It was sent out. We've seen the letter, you know, that uh, Spalding sent out, and it mentions mm-hmm. Grange. And one can only assume that that Grange card, because it's blank back, was sent out with the letter to encourage people to sign off and send in a picture. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, the, a letter went out from Spalding saying, "Hey, we've got Red Grange on board. Here's an example of what it's going to look like. Please send in a picture uh, and a release letter." And, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably half a dozen of these 1926 Spalding, you know, you know, samples, you know, that, that are left. Uh, and I've mm-hmm. got kind of a cool one. I got it from the Dryer Museum, you know, when they, when they went, you know, when they liquidated their asset. Mine's, mine's oversized. So you can tell that it was mm-hmm. in a larger, uh, you know, a larger, you know, piece, you know, a, you know, call it a normal football card size. But you know, blanked blanked around the sides. So mm-hmm. rare, rare salesman mm-hmm. samples, or whatever you want to call it. You know, example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, you know. here's here's an interesting point that you bring up. But you know, when you say the word sample card or test card or whatever the case may be, okay, the rare of rare. 
is it a sample card? Was it a mainstream card? Was it just a mainstream card that just yeah. didn't get, you know, get in the market, so on and so forth? So I find that fascinating because, uh, for the simple reason, you could still, in my opinion, find very, very obscure stuff. You just got to continue to look for it over and over and over again. It's a never-ending quest to find this stuff. But uh, for Grange, again, the Shotwell and then the Spalding are just two two amazing cards yep. to have in a collection. What it else can, uh, can, somebody, you ca- can you comment on? Yeah, I, it really resonated with me. You know, we don't really own these cards. We just possess them for a little while, and and right. and, to, and then and then we then we move on. As, you know, they they right. deserve to be around in other people's you know in other people's possessions. You know, they deserve exactly. to be scanned and shared with people rather than you know locked up in a safe somewhere for you know never to be seen. Exactly. Uh, exactly. There's a very you know so population six to ten of that sample you know for the twenty six Spalding, population two mm-hmm. to three for that uh, you know. What, what they you know the you know rare number seventy seven back the lucky number the nine b nine mm-hmm. bravo card they call it you know uh, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. very rare version of it the nineteen twenty eight star player candy i can I can think of about three of those floating around SPCs, right. star player candies are very very rare to begin with uh, mm-hmm. you know with you know less than a dozen or less of each example i mean there's one of ones in a lot of that you know just an unknown checklist and the Grange star player candy is, is very rare, you know, in that as well, you know, Mm -hmm. just a couple Mm -hmm. of examples. Mm -hmm. Well, my, my, uh, the, the one set that I, that's close to me as far as being rare are the Walker Packers pointers set, even though there's baby, I would say at least a dozen sets in existence throughout collections and split up and so on and so forth. I'm fortunate. I have, I have, um, a, a uh, one type card for my collection that I picked up several years ago, but up to that point, I really never saw them. I mean, all the shows I've seen and done over the years, I never saw that. And all of a sudden, they came, you know, they came <laughs> to light, and they're they're out there. It's, it's amazing to me. And again, yeah, it could be could've... you never know the next, you know, Grange unknown card or Packers Walker cleaner type set unknown comes to the market yeah. and then that starts another chase uh with everything again and it's 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 amazing it truly is amazing but again and that's what's beautiful about our hobby is there you're always discovering stuff every week i do a uh, steve largent search on ebay and every mm-hmm. week i hold out hope that some un you know never known never seen card is going to float my way and we're like huh uh mm-hmm. you know every every, every week disappointed you know the one week that i decided not to do a steve largent search will probably be the one week that a very rare card comes up you know or something you know a never well, seen you know, before card it, it's funny that you mentioned yeah. that because i um i'm trying to put together which is not really that obscure but it is very difficult to to put the whole set together and i still don't know how many cards are in the set is the 1979 icy disc football card disc set <laughs> And uh, I got about eight of them, eight or nine of them. And I keep I keep looking on eBay. I see the same four all the time. I got three of the four, yada, yada, yada. And then I keep searching and trying to find any type of checklist. I've contacted the company, so on and so forth. And I'm sure it's pretty – it's probably out there, and I just can't find it anywhere. And I'm, I'm always hoping going to a national or whatever. You know, here's a guy. Hey, I – 
Oh, you want that sick? Give me five bucks for it. Yeah, I've, I've had it in my yep. uh, case for like 30 years now, so, since 79. Uh, I'm so tired I, of them. I, I, I'm I so tired of hauling it We gave them away. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going back to the Walker Packer cleaner. Yeah. But going back to the Walker Packer cleaner, I can remember like <laughs> – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. No, I was just going to say, but, uh, and you see them graded. The IC is graded for like three, $400. Why is beyond me? You know, give me a break. Okay, go yeah, ahead, Joe. But, but I, I can remember like nine, eight, nine years ago, Andy Becker calling me, and he was talking about the Star Player candy set that was for sale at some auction yep. house, and I forget. And he, as uh, as most of my obscure football knowledge, I learned from, you know, either Andy or John. So, you know, Andy mm-hmm. begins to tell me how rare it is. I'm like, oh, that's incredible. And he's like, hey, I got, yep. you know, I got half a set. Uh you know, do you want you, – you, you grab half and I'll grab half, and we split it. And so we bought it. Uh, yep. you know, it yep. was sent to yep. his. He picked out the half he wanted and sent me the other half. And, uh, so yep. and I, I think he had a whole set that he wanted to upgrade. So I, I ended up with a whole set out of that. He got to cherry pick the ones he wanted. So I ended up with a, right. a whole kind of lower-end set of, uh, of you know, yep. that Walker Packer cleaner. And like yep. you, I'd yep. never seen it before. And I had no idea how rare it was until I got it and I started thumbing through it. And it's one of my favorite sets. It came in the book, you know, which is even rarer, yep. I guess. You know, the Walker yeah. Packer Cleaner yeah. book. There's on, so. as, far, as far as far as I know, there's only like five or six of those uh, books around. But all right, it's time for well, our special guests moving along here. And as at this time, I'd like to welcome our special guest. He is an expert and the authority on exhibit cards of all types. With his current published book, Exhibits and Related Sports Arcade Cards. He's also the expert in boxing cards. He's author of eight editions of the book, America's Great Boxing Cards. It is at this time I want to welcome to the show, Mr. Adam Washa. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. You want to talk about incredibly obscure things? We'll talk about exhibit cards. We'll talk yeah. <laughs> boxing collector, boxing collectors too. Even and more, Adam. Obscure, I got to exactly. I, I got to say, man, you're you're. You, we usually only reserve, uh, you know, reserve interviews for football collectors. So, you know, but I I know you collect football, so we're yes. you know, welcome, welcome, welcome in. Welcome thank aboard. you, thank you. I do indeed. You you have a a very nice uh, football card collection, from what I could tell, Adam, and I know the exhibits you have a. An incredible knowledge uh, of of the entire uh, run of them, and we're going to talk a little about a little bit about them tonight. But first, I like to start off by asking you if you're going to tell the audience uh, when and how did you start getting uh, collecting and getting involved in sports cards. Oh, I'm definitely going to date myself on this one. I have actually been collecting cards for 48 years. Um, oh man! I started as a little kid, of course. You know, my father buying me cards every Saturday or Sunday or Friday evening at the local uh, ice cream store. And by '71, '72, oh, wow. I was buying packs like crazy and never stopped. Um, you know, my first my first like experience with the organized hobby was I attended the 1976 American Sports Card Collectors Association convention Thanksgiving weekend in New York City. Wow. I love it. Wow. It, really it was great. Cool. I mean, it was just like, you know, it was exactly like it is today, right down to the filth. It was exactly the same. 
And I can so distinctly remember. Talking, people, people. I distinctly ahead, remember show, my man. mother would not let me go on the train to New York to that show because <laughs> I wasn't old enough yet. Well, we lived in the city, and my no. father took me. And, and while we were there, I was trying to complete a run of Willie Mays cards, and I ran out of money. So my father lent me the last twenty-five dollars I needed in 1976 to finish off the the cards. My mother was ready to well, kill wow. him. <laughs> now, if That's I could go back cool, today though. and Good buy 152 you. Tops mazes for 25 bucks a piece, I would happily do so. Wow, unbelievable! So the good old days. So Adam, happy. even even back then, were uh, collectors walking around in Hawaiian shirts with fanny packs and black socks <laughs> and sandals? Well, the fanny packs didn't exist, but they had the equivalent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, not 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 a happy looking bunch, the card collectors. Yeah, obviously the uh, the peak of health, six pack abs, perfectly <laughs> perfectly coiffed hair. Yeah, right, twelve pack abs like, and comb overs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, like what we're used to seeing at the national. Okay, just making sure. Have you picked up what your are, what, uh, black socks and sandals for the for Cleveland National? I'm ready to go. Well, I could leave okay. today. I, I could leave today. I have I have underwear with holes in them. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, getting back to uh, what you, said, you, were, you, you you collected since the early 70s. I go back to 1965, as the story goes, and every, everybody's heard my story. But again, shows in the 1970s, to me, especially for me, since I collected only football, were, were great challenges, to say the least. And again, I always, I always show this out. I would ask dealers to have any football cards. They would be very quiet. They go to the back of the table they pull out a cheese box or, you know, uh, some sort of shoe box, and they would say, give me five bucks for it or ten bucks for it. And I never knew what was there. I, you know, in a lot of cases, I wasn't allowed to open up the box to see what was in there. So I would just buy it, you know, and then go home and then try to figure out what I had. And then, again, you really didn't have strong, uh, got, you know, price guides or, or even guidebooks at the time to try to figure out what it was. So I used to just sort everything according to what it looked like and then try to figure out afterwards what I had and what, what I tried to collect. So the, the hobbies evolved yeah. dramatically in 47 years, to say the least. And again, yeah, but it's kind of nice to it, it's kind of nice know, when to I was in the uh, good old days. When I was in, uh, in, when I first moved out to California, uh, I, you know, really, the only football cards I had exposure to were the Topps products every year that I picked up in wax packs. When I got out here, some my parents became friends with some people who had full-grown adult sons who didn't want their, you know, and they basically gave me a giant box of cards going back into the early mm-hmm. 50s. I dumped them out on the floor in my room and started sorting, and there was tons of football cards I'd never seen before. They were they were mm-hmm. Bowman's, they were Fleer, you know, and some of the early Topps products. No idea what they were. Mm-hmm. I just sorted them out the stacks. And I did, mm-hmm. visually, I just said, okay, that looks like that. So I put them together. That was how I got started on that yeah. stuff. Wow. Truly amazing. You, you, Truly amazing. I've seen your uh, I've, I've I've seen your exhibit cards posted up, and you you've always got an example of exhibit cards, whether it's shades of you know different shades of green, non sports exhibit cards, different backs. You just you just you're that guy who knows a lot about that one you know exhibit cards. Yeah, I got I got into it years and years ago, you know. Yeah, how'd how'd you get into it? How'd you just start picking up those nuances? Because you're the guy who's just different. Like I said, just oh, here's the sepia one, 
uh, and this one's got a light green tint. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how the hell does he notice that? You know. Well, yeah. you know what happened was I, I have this I have this sort of uh, organizational bent when it comes to cards. That's why I wrote the boxing books in the first place because there was nothing out there. So when it came to exhibits, I, I you know I collected the post-war common mainstream baseball stuff, and then I was going to some shows out here in Los Angeles back in the heyday of shows. I ran into an old-time collector from Northern California, a guy named John Spaulding. Uh, he was very mm-hmm. big in PCL baseball, and he was a sports writer up in the Bay Area. Big into PCL stuff, and what he had, which really caught my eye, was he had about three binders full of 1920s exhibit cards. You know, all different stuff. And I ended up just buying everything I could and draining his brain, if you will, on everything he could tell me about them. Uh, You know, a little while later, I went to another show out here, and I saw my first boxing exhibit cards, which I had never, had no idea they existed. A dealer had a book full of boxing exhibits. I ended up picking up a a Joe Lewis, a Jack Johnson, a Rocky Marciano, a Dempsey, a Tunney, and a few other big-name fighters, and then... I started going, this is really cool. What do I do here? You know, I started looking around. There was nothing, no resources, no guides. There was a small, you know, a small listing for the exhibit champion set in the Beckett uh, three-sport book, which covered, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. football, basketball, hockey, just those, just the, that one set. That was the only thing listed. And I would see right. other cards, you know, you don't know what they are, but you'd pick them up because they were so inexpensive. And, I mean, I'd look at it and go, wow, that's a Hall of Famer from the 1920s for 15 bucks. Okay, I'll buy that. You know, Now, fast forward huh. to eBay, when that starts popping up in the late 90s, and you go on there, and oh, my God, this you know you could just run a complete sort and select on this stuff and find all kinds of exhibit cards. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I went a little yeah. nuts and started just buying everything in sight. Well, and especially when you knew what they were, you knew what to search for, whereas yeah, other people it, didn't know what they were, yeah. And after a while, you know, they, they were such a stepchild when it came to collecting that after a while, I start going to auction houses and they'd have, you know, oh yeah, here's 500 exhibits, and I'd bid a dollar for them, and, you know, pick them up for twenty dollars. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because 1948. Yeah, I mean, you think and some of those non-sports that you have examples of, you know, which are awesome, or even older than that. But you think about, you know, when we think about football, you know, 1935 and 1948 Leaf are the are the two football sets that come to mind but there's not much respect that's given to its its you know younger stepbrother 1948 bowman and 1948 exhibits they're just they're really underappreciated well yeah absolutely with the 48 exhibits i always said you know a lot of collectors felt they were like postcards and therefore they didn't want to collect them i was fascinated by them i I picked i picked up the my first one probably in 79 or 80 had no clue what it was. I thought it was, you know, again, I thought it was a postcard, but I really liked you had a full player photo, which was cool to look at instead of, and, and again, nothing on the back, which made it even more interesting. So you had a, you had a good search on uh, for it at that time. And again, like you said, Adam, I mean, there, there was absolutely no information whatsoever, whatsoever, anywhere, with the exception, again, 7980 Beckett book, they had the, the little, um, that exhibit um, champion set, and that was it. And you know, get and they really, they really haven't expanded it much since then. They haven't really talked. No, about they it haven't. At all. And mm-hmm. the information that's out there is wrong, and that's the part that really drove me crazy. You know, as a person mm-hmm. chasing information on exhibit cards, <clears throat> the best sources are are going to be the old exhibit companies' product uh, catalogs, 
and their mailers and similar type and salesman uh, samples and those kinds of things. And as I developed yeah. a, a you know a data bank of that information, I realized what's out there is just wrong. You know, like for example, mm-hmm. everybody lists these things as the 1948 to 52 exhibit football set. It's not. Yep. Obviously not, because I've got a 55 catalog from them listing the football cards. Mm-hmm. You know, they also list a bunch of short prints. They're not short prints. They can't be. They 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 made 32 cards every year because the sheet is 32 cards. Mm-hmm. Now they sub cards in and out from one year to the next. So you've got cards that are in yeah. shorter supply, but they're not true short prints. They're just from a specific year. Right. You know, the only yeah. years we can say for sure what they were, we know for sure what's in. 1950, because that checklist card that popped up in BST's auction last year, that definitively pins what's that that amazing card that definitively pins down what's there. Uh, That was that year for some reason they made checklist cards for baseball, football, boxing, and wrestling, and they sent them out. And you know, almost none of them have survived apparently. But you know, I've I've seen. I've got that's the only football I've ever seen the one that came up last year that lists the 32 mm-hmm. cards from the 1950 issue. And then in 55 you've got the postcard backs so you know what those are because they've got the postcard back on them. Adam jump it ahead I just want to ask one quick question and we'll go back go back to the script but what was the actual last year that you you're aware of that the football exhibits were actually printed? 1955 it's 55. Okay. All right. Yeah, now right. it could be later That's because there's unfortunately I don't have catalogs going past that. Okay. All right. Cuz I have never I have never seen anything late 50s early 60s and correct me if I'm wrong, the other sports they continue to print uh for for those other sports later in the 50s and 60s. Oh yeah, they did. And I don't think okay. they updated right. them after 52 or so. Okay. All right. That's wow. that's for our, our that's for our, our uh, listeners' knowledge too, because I've had several people ask me, "Well, well you, you're right. It's 1948 to 52," and I said, "No, there are there are cards that are were printed after 1952, and they were cards distributed through the 50s because I'm sure they had a lot of extras. You know what I mean? And um, oh yeah, and when they put them in their put them in their machines and everything, I'm sure they had you know a lot of inventory to get rid of, and, and, and they sold them that way. So you, well, you they, they were sellers. You, in theory, could probably get a um, 1948 card out of a machine, let's say, in 1961 or whatever. That type of situation. So, uh, it, it, yeah, yeah, the other thing is, these were not sell. You know, these weren't pack products. They were sold in bricks of 500 cards for vending out of these machines. So, if you sold, if you know, if somebody had an exhibit vendor and they didn't get very much foot traffic with it, they could have cards sitting in there for years that, that might be vended out of there many years after they were made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, wow. your anecdotal stories about people. Yeah, I bought these cards in 1972 in, you know, the arcade in Podunk, Georgia, and you very well might have because there might have been a machine sitting there with stuff still in it. To this day, people right. find machines with cards in them. Yeah. I never thought about that. I never thought about the vending machines being left out like that. That's fascinating. Yeah, I bought a vending machine uh, a while back from the mid-'60s, which had old cards sitting in it. Wow. Hmm. Although when I buy that kind of um, thing, it's always old entertainment cards of actresses or something. No baseball, <laughs> no football, nothing good. <laughs> well, I'd like you to write your, your new book, Exhibit and Related Sports Arc- Arcade Cards. 
Well, you know, as I said, I, I was going absolutely nuts trying to find information, and and the same thing that happened with the base with the boxing book, I didn't find any information on boxing cards, so I said, "The heck with it! I'll just write my own." I wrote the book; it was successful, and people kept saying to me, "Why don't you do one of these for the exhibit cards?" And I had the idea kicking around for probably four or five years, and then I happened to run into a, a time frame where I was able to put some time into it and go work on it. I had. My, my normal business, I'm a lawyer by trade. I had a big case that was supposed to go to trial earlier this year. The case settled on the eve of the trial starting, and I had, all of a sudden had a month of free time. So I figured, okay, <laughs> I'll just do the book. Let's power this out. Yeah, yeah just knock it out. Because I had, I had all the exhibit boxing segments already written uh, from the exhibit from the boxing card book, and I had a lot of the baseball card stuff already done because I had done the revisions on the checklists to the standard catalog about 15 years ago. So I had that information on hand. I had a, a, a significant amount of writing on the multi-sport stuff already done because I had done articles on those things. Uh, so it was kind of it was kind of one of these things that wrote very quickly. Um, the football cards was actually one of the tougher segments to write because there are some nuances there that, that I really wasn't you know, 100% conversant with. I needed some help from that. I mean, Andy Becker helped me out on some of that too. Mm-hmm. That guy's name keeps coming up. Well, good guy. He, he helped me out <laughs> he with the checklist on the 55s, on the postcard well, back ones. Now, overall, jumping ahead, how many actual football, different football cards were actually printed? In other words, were there like yeah. a, a total set of all the variations of 100 or yeah. 125? Well, there, okay, the base cards of each individual player – there's 59 different players. Okay. Okay, and so since it was, they're printed on 32-card sheets, you can see, and they only did one sheet a year. We know that from the catalogs. So each issue each year was 32 cards. So they subbed cards in and out in order to get that total. Uh, it was mm-hmm. based on when guys were up, when guys were, were released, new guys coming up, that kind of thing. Um, so explain that to me again. There's only 59 players throughout 48 to 55. So, right. Seven years, right. and there's only 59 players. Okay. Right. Wow, they I just ran them and ran them and ran Sorry? Same, same pictures, or did they vary the picture by year? No, same pictures. Just different backs or, yeah, or, was, or blank back or whatever. Yeah. Well, they were blank backed except 55. What it was was they started out with 32 55. players. They dropped some of those players and put in some new players and kept some of the old ones. Then they dropped some of those players and put in some new ones. And so on and so on. That's why you have what people call the short prints because there are there are you know obscure guys who really weren't around for very long, like uh, Squirm and Herman Wiedemeyer, right? Wasn't around for very long. It's a short print because he was only in there for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I actually so, didn't know so, that. I, you know, I've, I've collected exhibits for years and I didn't know that either. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's oh, why it's so miserable to collect the last seven or eight cards in the set because they're from one year. Uh, and who's the so Hawaiian I'm, guy? The, uh, the the rare run White Wiedemeyer or it starts with a W. Herman Wiedemeyer. Herman Wiedemeyer. He's the rarest of, in, of it, isn't he? He's not the rarest. He, I mean, though anybody issued in that anybody issues a one year card is going to be equally rare. What what it is with uh, him is he's okay. super he's super popular because Hawaii Five O. Oh, mm-hmm. got it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's right. 
He he right. played Duke in the original Hawaii Five O. So his card has just got this special, and he's Hawaiian, so it's got this special cachet to it. You know, and people just go after it. Yeah, yeah, that was the you last know, card I needed to complete it, and I was looking for a couple years for it. Yeah, it's because it's so <clears throat> bloody expensive. You know, when you find them, somebody wants a thousand bucks for it. Yeah, it was five six hundred dollars for it, and just at SGC sixty something like now, that. Now that said, the really tough cards are actually the tinted cards. Um, and those okay, are why, why is that? It looks why, like why? well, there's two kinds of you know the basic cards are either black and white or sepia toned, and that, those are that's just how you're going to find them 99.9 percent of the time. Then you've got uh, for some reason they they also made a print run or you know for a little while with green ink on white stock, um, just like a boxing card would have been from the era. I don't know why they did it. You know they weren't paying attention. Maybe they just ran them wrong and put them out anyway. So you, the green tints are pretty tough to find. The ones that will really kill you are the ones that have color stock. Uh, you know, black. it's basically black print on color stock. There's a green, pink, yellow, blue, red. Um, those are incredibly tough to find. Uh, it looks to me, just from what I know about the company's history, I think they found some old cardboard stock and just ran it. <laughs> that's yeah, really well, that's what I think, because the last time they used colors like that were in the 20s. Or in yeah, the early 30s. Right. So I have a like funny a... feeling they just found some old stock and went, oh, shoved it through the presses and ran the cards. You know, so so chasing after the color stock cards. I mean, I looked at the National every year for about five or six years for a color stock exhibit football card. I found two of them the entire time, and, and I I didn't have enough money to buy them when I saw them. So I didn't pick them up. Um, two years ago, I got lucky and found one in a commons pile at one of the shows. And, and picked it up wow. at the national, a uh, yellow, a, a Mestrangelo and a yellow stock. You know, so I kind of scratch my itch for having one of those as a type card. I mean, I'm always looking for them, and every time I go to the show, I plow through as many exhibit card piles as I can to see if I can spot any of these short prints and pick them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so if you get well, there on Thursday, Joe, you're, they're going to be gone by the time you get there. They'll be gone, yeah. And I realize <laughs> that. I know my station. I know I know my station in this hobby, and it's definitely not. Uh, you know, the, the guy who you know yells eureka in the middle of a crowded floor. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm the guy you always come around and say, "What are you picking through all that crap for?" Well, that's why. I God, I make fun of you. Adam is a, <laughs> like, what the hell Adam are you doing? Really? How do you have the patience to do this? <laughs> Adam, is it realistic to say then? Then there's 59 black and white, and then there'll be 59 sepia tone, and then an unknown with the tints, as far as a- variation approximately. Are yeah, approximately. Okay. That's how it's distributed. Hmm. Right. Interesting. So, no. And that's not to say that some of the some of the regular quote unquote cards are going to be easy to get. Some of them are really tough to find, and you're going to pay plenty mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys. Are there any other year? Like you mentioned the the vending machine earlier, and uh, probably like five six years ago, I bought a you know two cent vending machine off a guy on uh, you know a to be unnamed you know uh, you know crappy, you know, sports card, you know, a chat room, you know, I I just don't like saying that 54, sorry, they suck. Um, But so, I mean, I I had this two cent vending machine. It was really cool. And he he had, he had copies of some of the rare baseball cards that he put in there and it actually worked. You'd put in two pennies and push it and it'd come back out. Uh, So, and and I love that. I had that on display for a long time. So I mean, do you have any other you know kind of 
periphery things that are involved with exhibits, or is it just? Oh yeah, I've got I've got the display. I've got one machine from the 1920s that I refurbished myself. Oh wow! Um, Doesn't actually work because it came without some of the mechanism in it. But I just took the whole thing apart, cleaned it, refinished it, pounded all the dents out of it, and put up as a display piece. And I've got another one from the from the fifties, uh, one of the two cent, you know, one of the tall two cent Vendomatics that I haven't yeah. been able to get around to working on yet. It, it needs a ton of TLC. Um, and then I've got the the header cards, which are the displays that would go in the machine. Yes, uh, and they varied yeah. mm-hmm. all the way from the twenties, where they made custom ones, to later on, where they simply slapped a couple of cards on a piece of black cardboard with a label on it. And yeah, said, you know, those are the common ones. I've got some of those. I mean, my my prize one there is a. 1921 display header for Jack Dempsey from the boxing set. Wow. Yeah, and I've got one of those, too, the displays. The the one I would love to get is the Babe Ruth, but that's (laughs) that's not going to happen. Did they mix and match that? So, like, you know, could you put it, or was it just this is a football vend, you know, vending machine, and that one over there is a baseball vending? Did they mix and match them? Great question. Actually, what, what I found in the catalogs is, they would have recommended mixes and they would they would right. customize a header for you if you decided to get like if you wanted to do baseball players and boxers side by side they would customize the header for you for putting into the machine you tell them what size machine you had and how many cards it would display and they would customize like you, you know a lot of them were smaller machines with a 2 and 2 display two cards next you know four cards across yeah. so they do baseball and boxing together as a four card across thing some of them were nine-card displays wow. or 12-card displays, so they would customize them that way and send them out. The other thing I should mention that you can find occasionally for football are what are called the slicks. Um, the, somebody at the company, after about 20 or 30 years of this, finally realized, you know, if we made paper cards for the displays instead of using full cardboard cards for the displays, it would cost us a lot less to mail them out to everybody. So they started uh-huh. printing up the display cards on on slick paper, you know, high gloss yeah. paper, which would then be glued to the backings instead of regular cards, and that started in like the in the 40s. Uh, the ones that I yeah. know for sure you can find are the football players from the 48 champions set. You can find some of those as slicks. I've got a Bulldog Turner as my type card. Yeah, I've got an uncut sheet uh, printer's sample. You know, blank backed. You know the mm-hmm. sketches on the side of uh, you know I think it's twelve cards that's slick and I never understood what it was. I was always like, huh? Well, obviously a, you know obviously it's a printer sample. Uh, yeah, it could be either a slick or more likely than a slick because they did them as I had a, actually a full sheet slicks once uh, for the non side. They did them as full sheets. What you've got there is is a is a proof piece. Yeah, well it was mixed. It was baseball. It was. Base, baseball and football. I can't remember if there was another sport in there, but it was just—it was really confusing for the guy. I mean, for me, I didn't—I I had no idea how or when they were made, and I—I I thought it was like a like like said a printer sample, but I—I I never even heard the word slick or heard it described. That makes sense. Yeah, that's. It sounds like yours is a sample, and when you get into the sample stuff, now you're getting into some really, just you know, un, impossible to understand, really complicated, obscure stuff. You know, yeah. I've been fortunate to accumulate like a, a half a dozen or so uh, samples, sample cards and, and printer-proof cards, and there isn't a single consistent thing among any of them. <laughs> wow. It's, it's kind of funny. We've talked about this on the show before where, 
you know, we know more about the nuances of some of these sets than the printers would. And, you know, take the 48 Leaf, for example. I'm pretty sure if the printer who ran that were ever to, you know, we were able to go back in time and, like, hey, how, how come it's white, you know, this one's, you know, black, you know, between the knees and this one's white between the knees. You know, you know, were you trying to tell us a secret message about the CIA? And he'd look at us and just go, what the hell are you talking about? No, I just, you know, no, we ran out of ink, so I didn't put it in there <laughs> yeah, that right, day. Exactly. You know? Well, I had the real, the real yeah. awakening moment of that, to that fact when I was at the uh, New York Public Li- or New York uh, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art doing research for my boxing book. Uh, you know, they have the Jefferson Burdick card collection there, but mm-hmm. you can only get mm-hmm. in there if you're, if you're using it for research. So I had to get authorization and go through security like the Pentagon to get into this place. Oh, wow. And, and when I went in and I said, okay, I'd like to look at the following things, the librarians looked at me and said, mister, we don't know what you're talking about. Here's a book with a list of the volumes that Burdick has. <laughs> Try and figure out what you want. Fortunately, I knew the ACC numbers by heart, so I was able to say, okay, this volume, oh, wow. this volume, this volume. But they had no idea what they were bringing me, no clue whatsoever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me of that William Shatner on Saturday Night Live where people raise, his, raise their hand and ask about, you know, hey, in episode three when you do this, he's like, people, move out of your parents' basement and get a life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's what, my, that's what my wife says every time we go off to the National. Every year, she, I say, I'm going to the National. You want to come along? She goes, no, you go play with the idiots. Yeah, yeah nerd fest. My, my wife yeah. calls it nerd yeah, fest. Totally. Yeah, but Bob, I don't know what the hell you're doing right, but when you get Brenda to come along, I'm, I'm impressed. So. Well, we, um, we have a vested interest in the magazine, and, you know, she enjoys visiting yeah. everybody, too. It's a, it's a book. But uh, yeah. this year, unfortunately, she can't come out because she's just, she's just way backed up with her project. So, uh, and it's Cleveland too, so it's it's not that overly <laughs> exciting. Of a, although I made I made the big move this year. I will be I will be staying downtown at the DoubleTree, so at least I can see human life as compared to the last time I was there, where I was at the Best Western, which I I felt like I went back in time. I really wasn't back in time because there was nothing there. And uh, it was it was nasty, but uh, this year I'll be with humans, and I'll be downtown. The Hall of Fame is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the uh, casino. There's a lot of restaurants, so it'll be a heck of a lot better. Adam, do you have any uh, collecting stories you want to share with our audience about about the exhibits? Uh, the only thing I can I can really think is a good story was. Um, uh, when I went to a show back, like, I don't know, 25 years ago, uh, when they were still doing free autograph guests, I always liked to get exhibit cards signed. And um, oh. I brought Hall of Fame baseball player Luke Appling's card with me to have it signed. It's from the 19- his pictures from the 1920s. Uh, and he looked at the card, and he, he just he said, wow. He said, these uniforms, and he went on an absolute tirade about the crappy uniforms they made them wear back in the day when this oh. was shot. They were the the White Sox wow. had black road uniforms. And he said these things would become sodden and saturated with sweat, especially playing a double header, and because they were so cheap they wouldn't bring a second clothing change. You'd have to put the thing back on after the first game and go back out oh, and play no. in a, in a no, Yeah, that no. was it's always fun with the guys when you when you can show them the old exhibit cards you know they they're really big pictures and they're really bold so a lot of times these guys will look at them and go wow that's and they'll tell me something about the whole experience there you know Hank Aaron was the same way when I showed him mine he's like oh yeah that's from Milwaukee you know 
looked it over. I mean, they get kind of a kick out of seeing them because they are so photographic. Yeah. I wonder right. if they're – I mean, if you're if you're a pro athlete and you, you keep having the same stuff put in front of you just on – it'd be kind of cool one of these days to surprise someone like that where it's like, you know, hey, please sign this. And it'd be cool to have somebody like, I've never seen this card before in my life. Where What is this? I you actually know? had that experience. Um I was at a I was at the World Boxing Hall of Fame show and um I was actually at a table there to promote my book. There was a, a four-time world champion fighter named Terry Noros who's in the Hall of Fame. Uh he's he's a local here in California. He was there with his daughter who was basically running a little little girl about probably about 10 11 years old running interference with him because he has uh pugilistic related uh speech impediments. Very hard to understand. Hmm. So so she was, you know, guys were coming up with cards to have him sign, and she kept saying, I have that one, I have that one, I have that one. So I pulled out a, a very old card of his, rather obscure, and I said, do you have this one? And she said, no. And I said, oh, well, here, now you have this one, and I just gave it to her, you know. So Terry said something, which I couldn't quite understand, and his daughter said, he wants to know what your name is. So I told my name. He grabbed another card from me and wrote this long personal message on there, you know, and signed the card for me. Wow! Wow, that's cool. So, you know, so you, sometimes like that. guys cool. appreciate seeing the odd stuff. Bob Feller actually made an extra mark on one of my cards because he was like, "Are you sure you want me to sign this? Are you sure you want me to sign this?" And I said, "Yes, I, I, that's what I bought the ticket for. I want you to sign this card." He got so nervous he actually started in the wrong place and then started again. <laughs> oh wow! What was the card? What 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 was the card? It was a, it was a '53 Bowman. Wow. Which is a high number. It's a nice card. It's a high number. It was. He, I guess he didn't get very many of those to sign, so he he was kind of surprised I wanted it done. Huh. And the only the, the other football one I have. It, this was actually a good story. I was I was at uh, I was at a show here in Los Angeles. They did about thirty years ago, where the guests were Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and Sandy Koufax. And every <laughs> how, how long ago this was. Everybody who came got a free autograph, but it was random oh between God. the three of them. So I opened my random pack, and I saw that I had Muhammad Ali. Well, I'd already gotten his autograph at another show. So I traded someone for a Jim Brown. And I went in line, and I finally got up to have Jim Brown sign my – I used a 60 Tops card, and I had him sign that. And he says, this is an old one. Why are you getting this signed instead of a photo? And I said, I'm trying to get the greatest player in every sport to sign their card, and you are the greatest running back of all time. And he said, uh, wow, yeah, thank you. That's really nice. And he, you know, signed off for me. Way to talk wow. on that pride. I love it, Adam. Nice yeah, job. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I actually ran into him in Cleveland a few years ago, literally. I was coming out the door of my hotel room, and I ran into a wall, and it was Jim Brown. Yeah. How old is Jim Brown now? Think He's about that. He's in his 80s. He was probably in his 70s when I bumped into him. He's in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. I, I, I picked myself up, I said, hey, you're Jim Brown. And then I said, you probably know that already. Yeah. I said, what are you here <laughs> well, for? Said, oh, it. It, was, it was when they were inducting uh, Hickerson into the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow, Gene Hickerson, right on. But think right. about it, in 1958, if he was 20, you know, that means he was born in 38. Jeez, yeah, he's 80. Jeez, he's 80. Jim Brown is yeah. 80, man. Yeah. Boy, I, I feel yeah. Well, I saw, him, I saw him in L.A. about a, a year ago driving down the street near my house, and he looks good. Huh. He's hard to miss because he drives well, a convertible Bentley, you know. Well, Adam, you've been doing this a long time, and obviously you've put the time in, you know, for, you know, with your books. 
Uh, sorry, I mean, what, what advice would you have for collectors who wanted to start collecting uh, exhibit cards? I, I, I love this set. You know, it's just so good looking. You know, yeah, what? Start, start out reading. Start out reading, find out what's out there and what you really like. They made the exhibit supply company probably made over fourteen thousand different cards during their their time frame. So there's something out there wow. for everybody. It, you know, even if you're interested in Olympic sports, for example, they've got like three sets where you could find cards. I mean, it's really comprehensive. You just have to decide what you what you like first. The other thing is start looking around eBay, and then and then if you can make it to a big hmm. show, make it to a show because they're going to be there, and you just have to wow. dig for them. Yeah, you definitely got to hunt for them. They're out there. I mean, uh, you know, you don't, especially going to a show, you'll never, you'll never be, uh, you can always be surprised what you find at a show. And, and something like that could be in a postcard box. And, and I've seen them at paper shows where postcard uh, dealers have them in their boxes just as a regular postcard. Not really. I got, I got one are. of the Jim Thorpe, uh, one of the Jim Thorpe exhibit cards that way. They had it just out with a stack of entertainment cards for five bucks. <laughs> Boy, did I buy that fast. Yep. Is that the one of him in headdress? Yep, him in the Indian headdress, correct. It's from yeah. an entertainment yeah. set. Wow. They had a whole bunch of cards from that set. They threw it out there along with them, and I looked at the stack. I said, how much are these? They said, five bucks a piece. I said, great. Here you go. I'll take this one. Uh, you know, I'll it's, take it's this funny. one. I bought Indian my, guy. Yeah, I bought my exhibit set. It was, you know, 80% complete, and... uh Bought it, had quite a few of them graded, and I was just working on this set for all. But we've we've talked before about you know what the difference between somebody who buys a a complete set and then basically puts it in a box and you know sets it aside. You know your Jim Crandalls of the world, and then the people who build sets uh, and and they know the nuances of it. And I, you know, I, like I said, I bought the set partially complete, and then I struggled with the Weedmeyer, you know, and uh, you know, and so, I mean I know a little bit about it, but I had no idea that all of them were cut from one set from 48 to 55, that there were varying years and the checklist rotated like that. That's just fascinating. That's the, yeah. yeah that, just, that's what makes them so complex is, is you have these little things. There were some years in, in the twenties when they were making these cards where they actually pulled the cards in the middle of the run. So you might have multiple cards from that year that don't add up to the proper set counts. Uh, 1925. Yeah. They have a, they have advertising materials that say they're putting out a set of 96. I've cataloged like 104, I think it is, from that year because they pulled cards in the middle they, of the run and substituted in other people. Like mm-hmm. they lost count. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Well, very Unbelievable. Cool. You uh, you you going to the uh, LTS dinner on Friday in Cleveland? Oh sure. Adam? Oh sure. Wouldn't miss it. Doing your doing your stand up routine. Yeah, if I get something, I'm also going to do the trivia game. So we stopped doing the uh, stopped doing the. Well, I ended up with the uh, you know the blue suitcase autograph Steve Largent thing. Yeah, know. I think we had so to retire at that point. Yeah, that got that got set aside. I, I thought that was fun. That was a, that was cool. I did too, but you know, how Adam, can you top the home that it eventually found? Adam, you have any? Adam, Adam, you have any other final? Uh, Comments or thoughts for the exhibits as far as our listening audience is concerned? Yeah, my book is available at the publisher, lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. Very okay. nice. <laughs> and I highly recommend uh, it. It's, a, it's an incredible 
incredible wealth of knowledge there. You did a phenomenal job in, in putting together something that was very sorely needed in the market, especially for the football Without a doubt. exhibit collectors. Because uh, I'll tell you, I learned a, a heck of a lot. I was always of the impression it was up to 1952, and then they just distributed what was left over. And I always thought it was just huh. a black and white set, and, and the sepias were just, uh, you know, basically printer scrap or whatever. But uh, it's, it's, I really learned a lot, to say the least. So, truly yeah, amazing. Ditto. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Ditto. Well, well, we'll see you on the floor, Adam. I will, uh, I'll be the guy in the Hawaiian shirt and the flip-flops. Making fun <laughs> of me for sitting around and going through the dollar boxes, I know. <laughs> uh, well. Adam Wasser, thank you very much for being on the show. We're almost out of time. All right, guys. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate you it. And we'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, see Adam. See you, Thanks. man. Bye-bye. <laughs> Joe, two-minute warning. Two-minute warning, and we got to wrap up before you're back in the USSR there. Long story short, <laughs> what did we pick up in tonight's show? Uh, Adam cracks me up. He's got a real witty sense of humor. He, his, his stand-up, he does a stand-up routine, you know, uh, you know, as well. He's just, I've always enjoyed, you know, him. He just cracks me up. I, I like making fun of him because he's that guy, an attorney, you know, you know, $500 an hour attorney, you know, in L.A., who you'll find, you know, sitting, you know, sifting through the penny box, you know, looking yep, for yep, you know, yep, cards. And yep. I'm just constantly making fun of him. So I, just, I, I love yep. it. But good writer, man. He dug in deep. He knows, like you said, learned a lot. Yep. Yep. Well, like I said, you know? I always thought it was, I always thought it was just the black and white set. It was in 52. I really, I've never overly yep. pursued that set. Yes, I got cards, cards from the set. I, it was just something that I, if I found it, I picked it up. I never really thought about, you know, finishing the set, so on and so forth. But again, I, I'm finding more and more that if I go to paper shows, I go to like a postcard show, there seems to be more and more football stuff there to find and, and you oh. know, different types of things, including the exhibits, which can be bought very reasonably. Obviously, none of the the true rare cards are available, but you know, for general, yeah, general yeah. exhibit cards, they're, they're out there. So it's 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 pretty interesting to see. And again, Adam, you know, putting everything together, now we have a better guide to go by, and it's more much more understandable to the hobby, which is going to help us uh, again when they find the uh, color, uh, the reds, the blues, the blacks, the ones he was describing, which I feel are just like some sort of yeah. printing waste that made it into the market or, to, you know, for whatever reason they got cut up or whatever, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating to, to, to look at this stuff, but uh, it's amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing to see what is actually out there and, what, and what's available. All right, we're down to totally. seconds. Again, we're sponsored by MSB sports cards. Check out their website at msbsportscards.com and also by BSD auctions. Please check out their website, bsdauctions.com. All right, so we're going to have a second show at the end of the month. Obviously, Joe will be in Russia enjoying the Cup. So we'll be having a special guest host and, a, and, a, and a, working on a couple guests for the future. Joe, I will um, hope that I, I know you'll have a great time. Uh, try not to get into any trouble over there. And, uh, Can't enjoy make the any games. promises. Enjoy the games and, uh, and all the festivities of another World Cup. 
And that's it. The other football. We'll be back in, we'll be back in a few weeks. Joe, thanks for being on. Enjoy your trip. And thanks for listening. Ba 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 